Cristiano Ronaldo cares more about individual achievements than he does about the team. And that was proven once again today. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another edition of My Sport in Two Languages, Mi Deporte en Dos Idiomas with Sebastián Garay Ortega. As you guys know, there are, many, there are many developments that took place in the footballing world today that we will be getting into. But first, of course, was Napoli's victory over Juventus in the Coppa Italia final, defeating them 4-2 on penalties to clinch their first Coppa Italia since 2014 and their sixth in club history. Now, if I personally, dissecting the game, I did not think Juve had... Juve did not really play a very nice style of football. They they normally don't. I mean, they're an Italian team. Italian teams usually like defending and going on the counter. But even the counter did not seem that nice for Juve. And when they had possession on the ball, they did, they did make some good plays here and there. They did make some good sequences. But I personally am felt... Uh, I am left disappointed in what I saw from this Juve squad. Cristiano Ronaldo had somewhat of an impact in the game, not that much of an impact of the game. Gianluigi Buffon kept them in the game, because if it wasn't for his saves, despite being 42, he was saving everything, and he saved a header that was most likely going in in the 90th minute, which ultimately allowed the game to go to penalties. So, that is what I personally saw from this U.S. team. It's going to be interesting to see how they respond, because they might end this season with no title in hand. If we're looking at the Serie A right now, Lazio is one point behind them with 62 points, while Juventus has 63 points. Internazionale has 54, so they're most likely not going to reach them. But if Lazio can continue to go, can continue to win games, they could win the Serie A, which would be probably the shock of the year, no doubt. And probably the biggest shock in terms of league winners since Leicester won it in 2015-2016, I believe, or 2016-2017. Napoli, I think, well-deserved victory. They, what I saw differently between the two teams, in my opinion, is that Napoli on the counter just looked much more smooth. I don't even think it's that on the counter they looked more smooth. It's just, I believe that, I feel like the players are buying into Gattuso's philosophy much more. I feel like Sadi, Sadi does not really have a... The players aren't bought into Sadi's philosophy, and I think it's showing on the pitch. They're not playing that well... They're doing. They're putting in a minimum effort, but I don't know. It just doesn't seem as explosive as it should, especially with players such as Ronaldo on the pitch, uh, Pjanic in midfield, Danilo on the right. Even though he's not that, he hasn't been that great this year. Cuadrado. I don't think Danilo's on the right. I think Cuadrado was on the right. Nevertheless, it shows that they have talent, but they haven't been able to use it effectively. Now, Juventus is going to have to respond, however, because in August, when the Champions League arrives, they are one nil down to Leon. They will be playing the second leg, of course, in Lisbon. And they're going to have to respond because if they want to stay in the tournament, they have to score. And if Leon gets one away goal, the, the, the whole contest becomes extremely more difficult as they would have to score three in order to defeat Leon and advance to the next round. But even before then, they better get ready for the Serie A because as I just said, they're in a tight race with Lazio. Only one point ahead of them and they are coming back to action, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, let me check right here, looking at the fixtures for the Serie A. Juventus, here we are. Let us see here. So, of course, Saturday, the fixtures come back. Juventus does not play Saturday, however. They play Monday against Bologna. 
Juventus versus Bologna at 3.45 in the afternoon. And Lazio comes back on approximately... Not approximately. Uh, excuse me, I'm sorry about this. The 24th, Wednesday against Atalanta at 3.45. Now, Atalanta is in very good form. They haven't played, of course, since March, but before the COVID-19 pandemic, they had a five-game winning streak going. So Lazio, if they lose that one and Juventus win, it's going to get much more harder for them, obviously, but we're going to have to see what happens. Lazio could be your 2020 Serie A champions if things go their way. And most surprisingly, Juventus could end the season without silverware, which would be catastrophic. That would most likely see the end of Mauricio Sarri's reign at the Juventus team, at the Turin team, because they just cannot... They cannot allow a coach not to win anything, and that's just the sad truth. Now, moving on to the second game of the day. In the Premier League, Manchester Manchester City faced Arsenal in what was an interesting contest on the fact that if it wasn't for David Luiz's introduction, it probably wouldn't have ended the way it did. Now, if we're looking at the at the beginning of the game, first of all, let me let me give you guys some context. Uh, Mikel Arteta had to make a change, bring out Granite Jaka and put in Dani Ceballos due to an injury that was pretty severe because I believe uh, Granite Jaka had to be carted off the pitch. But I think the one that, of course, the one that affected the most was David Luis having to come in for Pablo Mari after he took up a knock. He came in for the Spanish international and all hell broke loose and not in a good way. So if we're saying here, literally, David Luis makes a horrid mistake. Horrid, horrid mistake to allow Sterling to get the goal. A ball from De Bruyne bounces in front of him. He, I don't even know what he was trying to do. It's almost like he cleared it with his thigh. He was trying to clear it with his thigh or touch or, or like, or control it or bring it down. It went behind him to Sterling who was making the run behind him. Sterling blasts it. No chance for Leno and gives City the lead 1-0. Now, surprisingly, You'd think, well, he can't get any worse than that. Ladies and gentlemen, this is David Luiz we're talking about, okay? This can get really freaking worse. So, David Luiz in the second half, the 48th minute, three minutes in, he pulls Mara's back, clear penalty, and a red card, clear goal-scoring opportunity denied, and he is sent off, leaving Arsenal with 10 men. De Bruyne slots it into the bottom corner, and it's 32 Arsenal nil. I mean, absolutely cat- catastrophic. I mean, how can you even do that to your own team? And I think the other key point of the game was actually a very scary scene here. Eric Garcia in the 82nd minute was run into by Ederson. He came, Ederson came out of the box to clear it. I don't know if he didn't, I don't know if he didn't say anything to Garcia to get his attention that he was coming out, but it was a very, very hard collision. Ederson's hand completely went into the head of, just rammed into the head of Garcia at very fast speed. Garcia hit the ground. It took it took the medical team about eight minutes to cl- to get him off the pitch after putting him on a stretcher and making sure his head was stable, his neck was stable, and his whole body was stable. A very scary scene. We have not got an update yet on his condition, but of course, I personally and I think everyone wishes him all the best. All the thoughts and prayers go to Garcia and the City family and Garcia's family as well, of course. Now, in the 91st minute, a goal that really wasn't going to make any difference. Phil Foden. Puts the citizens up 3-0 after putting in the rebound from Aguero's shot that hit the post and came towards him. Now, let's talk a little bit about the next game. This time, it was in La Liga. Atletico faced Osasuna, and Atletico didn't just face Osasuna. They absolutely destroyed Osasuna. 5-0 was the final score between the two sides in a contest that saw Osasuna not even have a chance. 
and that's putting it lightly because they were absolutely absolutely destroyed so here we are goals were scored by Joao Felix he, he scored a brace in the 26th minute and then in the second half he scored again in the 55th minute Marcos Llorente scored in the 78th minute the Liverpool killer Alvaro Morata scored in the 81st minute and Carrasco scored in the 87th minute to give Atletico Madrid the lead against the win against Osasuna excuse me this puts Atletico Madrid in the Champions League spot. They are so desperate for 49 points. Real Sociedad is behind, two points behind them at 47 points. Now, if we're looking at the games that are to come in La Liga, just give me one second here as it loads. Here we are going to La Liga. Let's see the scores here of La Liga. Because Real Sociedad, I believe they played, they have already played, and I did not, they did not get the points necessary to maintain their fourth place spot in the table to assure a Champions League spot. Yes, they tied to Osasuna one to one on Sunday the fourteenth, which ultimately made them lose drop points and gave the fourth place spot now to Atlético after Atlético Madrid dominated Osasuna 49 points for Atlético 47 for Real Sociedad 47 for Getafe and the only other team that will really be vying for that vying for that fourth place spot is going to be Valencia with 43 points Granada with 42 and Villarreal with 44 so i pers- it's pretty interesting to see what'll happen i believe either it's going to be between obviously Atlético or I think even Valencia. I think Real Sociedad is going to fall. Getafe is not going to be able to keep their rhythm up. And it's going to be between Valencia or Atletico Madrid. Real Sociedad will be happy with an Europa League spot regardless. Playing in Europe is an accomplishment for the team. I think looking at this table, it surprises me that Atletic Bilbao are so low in the table. I believe they're playing in the Copa del Rey final. They are 10th at for 30, uh, with 39 points. But of course, that is not the topic of discussion right now. Let's get into the game a little bit. Um, well, I mean... There really isn't really much to get into. They just got destroyed. Osasuna losing 5-0 to, Osas- to, uh, to Atletico Madrid. Ultimately giving them, once again, the fourth spot. So, it's right now the La Liga table in the Champions League is going to... is uh, Excuse me. Barcelona, Barcelona, Real Madrid. Um, Sevilla in third. And Atletico in fourth. Now, if you're looking at another table here. Let's take a look at the Serie A. Who I believe just have Champions League spots from 1 to 3. No, one, two, three, four. I apologize. They have four Champions League spots. Juventus, Lazio, Internazionale, and Atalanta. Meaning Roma would not be in the Champions League at the moment. Roma are three points behind Atalanta. And Napoli would also not be in the Champions League. They would be in the Europa League. Now, of course, I believe that since they won the Coppa Italia, they might be getting a sort of playoff-like thing with... Um... With excuse me, the Champions League. I may be wrong, though. Now, going away from the games today, going away from the most important developments that I needed to be talked about first, let's get into some other news. And I talked about this last week, how the thought process was that the Champions League would be would be finished off in Lisbon, Portugal, due to the excellent job the uh, uh, authorities there have done managing the COVID-19 pandemic. And that was a correct prediction. Here I have an article by Marca, written by Jose Felix Diaz. Champions League will be completed in Lisbon, and the final is set for August 23rd. Lisbon will host the remainder of the Champions League from the quarterfinal stage onwards, and the final will take place on August 23rd. 
The remainder of the Europa League will be held in Germany, while the Women's Champions League is set to be completed in San Sebastián and Bilbao in Spain. So, interesting developments there. Europa League is going to be held in Germany, Champions League is going to be held in Lisbon, and the Women's Champions League is going to be held in San Sebastián and Bilbao. A pretty smart decision because, of course, you don't want a bunch of people... A bunch of teams, a bunch of players crowded in one city in Lisbon, as that could, if, if God forbid, an outbreak does occur, it would be very catastrophic for all involved. The unplayed Champions League round of 16 return legs, Manchester City versus Real Madrid, Barcelona versus Napoli, Bayern Munich versus Chelsea, and Juventus versus Leon, will be played as previously planned at the home grounds of the first legs visiting sides in a bid to provide fairness to the ties. So, interesting developments there, meaning, last I think last week I reported that the camp, Barcelona was denied an opportunity to play at the camp now, but that is not the case now. Barcelona will be playing at the camp now, Manchester City will be playing at the Etihad, Bayern Munich will be playing at the Alliance Arena, and Juventus will be playing at the Juventus Stadium. So, it does provide fairness to the teams, even without fans, playing on your home ground is much different than playing at a neutral ground. However, this is an important development here. From the last eight of the competition onwards, each round will be a one-off encounter. So it's going to be like a World Cup type, World Cup type tournament with only no home and away, just final. Every game is going to be a final from quarterfinal onward. I don't know how I think. I don't know what I think about that. Of course, they have to end it early, and we're lucky we're even ending this the Champions League. But it's still going to be. It's going to be this. This Champions League is going to have a asterisk next to it, and I think rightfully so. I know if PSG wins it or if Man City wins it, that's what, you know, they're going to go crazy about that. They're going to be like, yeah, you own your first one, but you go, you own a fake one, you know? That's that's not really home and away. Took a lot of months to finish, etc., etc. So we're going to have to see what happens. I, if, if there was ever a time for Man City or PSG to win their first Champions League, it'd be now. So that will be also interesting developments. In the Europa League, two round of 16 ties, Roma versus Sevilla. And Inter versus Getafe will need to be played out as two-legged affairs, one at each side's home, while the remaining six second-leg encounters of the same stage also need to be completed at their previously designated locations. As with the Champions League, the rest of the Europa League beyond the last eight will be one-off affairs played in Germany. So once again, the rest of the Europa League beyond the last eight... Sorry, let me read this again. The rest of the Europa League beyond the last eight... Beyond the last eight, so yeah, it's going to be the same thing. Quarterfinals, one-off affairs. So, I think the only prominent... I know the Europa League is not the most prominent tournament, but I believe I believe that Inter are favorites in that tournament. I hope they win it because they've had a solid season. I've always been a fan. I've been a fan of Antonio Conte. But I won't lie. I was a hater of Antonio Conte during his days at Chelsea. But I've come to appreciate his work, and his work at Inter Milan has been very, very solid. For first, the first time... His first year at the club, they were in front of Juventus for a period. I think it was either at the end of at the end of 2019 or the beginning of 2020, which is a very very impressive thing to do, especially in the Serie A, which is such a, which is such a one horse race with Juventus. Of course, they aren't they aren't the only team that have done it. Lazio have also been a very surprising team this year. But it is, I, I'm rooting for Antonio Conte, I'm a big fan of his philosophy, and he's proving, his team believes in him a lot, so they've even, they've even been playing very good in the city, in the city, yeah, sadly they're not going to probably, they're probably not going to win it, but once again, hopefully they do end with one piece of silverware that I believe they deserve, and that is the Europa League. Now, I want to talk about Mr. Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo should be ashamed of himself, should be ashamed of himself. All he cares about 
his individual achievements. He does not care about the victory. Are you kidding me? Taking the penalty fifth? He's a fraud. He's a fraud. He did the same thing I remember. I can't remember exactly. I think it was a game against Spain where he could have he had the opportunity to take the penalty like not fifth, and of course he chooses fifth. Even Lionel Messi, Leo Messi does not do that. And this isn't this isn't a Messi Ronaldo thing. I appreciate both players, but let's put it this way. Messi does not take the fifth because he doesn't care. He wants to get the victory. Ronaldo, all he cares about is the individual achievements, the individual accomplishments. Him, the players running towards him when he finishes it off, not him running towards the player that finished it off for the team. It's a sad, sad thing. Sad, sad existence that Ronaldo, rather than win the game with Juventus, would rather choose to take the fifth penalty. It makes a difference for those who, th- who think that do- it doesn't make a difference. It does make a difference. Because taking the penalty first, second, third, it changes the morale of the team. Because if we, as we saw, Juventus missed the first penalty. Um, I, I forget who it was exactly. I um, Here, let me. I have it right here. Just give me one second. He took the first penalty and missed. And that completely proves to be extremely negative because that, that, that affects the morale. Can Ronaldo miss? Absolutely. But guess what? Ronaldo probably won't miss. He's a very good penalty taker and is known to convert the penalties and is known to convert the penalties he is given. He's a very good taker of the of penalties. Now, if we're looking at it if we're looking at it here, I had the whole penalty chart here. So, the penalties started off so I don't have who saved the first one. Uh, sorry, I don't have who who hit the first one for Juve. Was saved. Insigne scores next, and then Danilo missed next. See that this is the problem. That is an example of the morale going down. Danilo missed. Once again, he, he did a short run up, which I hate. I hate the short run up, and it should never be done in my opinion because it just it's never proven to be extremely effective. Sure, it works in cases, but most of the time it will not be effective and hurt you more than help you. Then Politano scores for Napoli, made it two 0 and then Bonucci hits it, and it barely went in. Act- barely went in actually. Maxino Maximovic hits it for Napoli to make it three one. Aaron Ramsey made it three two, and then but that was it because Milik scored the fourth penalty once again to give them the victory. So I believe if Ronaldo had taken the first penalty or the second penalty, it would have changed the morale ex- uh, it, in, in a manner that is extreme. It, it would have changed the morale greatly. And I think Ronaldo should stop doing that. I mean, he's already gotten old, so he's not going to be changing. I mean, even if you remember in Real Madrid, one time Alvaro Arbeloa scored. He was in front of Ronaldo, and instead of letting it go to Ronaldo, he did. Uh, he scored it. Because, you know, that's obviously what you do. Especially because he was right next to the goal. There was no goalkeeper. All you had to do was tap it in, and Ronaldo got pissed. Ronaldo has proven time and time again that he doesn't really care about the team. He cares about winning. He cares about winning, but he cares more about winning... He cares more about being the star when they win than just winning. We saw that when they beat Liverpool, I believe, in the Champions League 2018, the year he went to Juventus. He said in the after uh, after the after the game in the post game interview that he thanked Real Madrid for the time they had given him, and it was time to flip the page, go to a new team, and you know, like I, that was when Bale scored the beautiful bicycle kick to make it three one Real Madrid. The Bale scored both goals. At the end, uh, Benzema scored the first goal. Ronaldo was scoreless, and once again, it shows how sad of an existence he lives. That he needs, when he doesn't get the attention, when he doesn't score the winning goal, when he isn't the man who wins it, he has to take the attention away and be the. He has to be the. He has to grab the attention like he did there. 
So we're not going to see a different Ronaldo, though. I mean, he's old. He's not going to change. So, but that is my personal thoughts. I believe it's pretty, uh, at that age, like, come on, man. He's well, he's won everything, and he's still doing this. I mean, you'd think Messi is one of the most selfless players. I'm not trying, you know, but Messi is. He, he just wants the victory, and I, re- I commend him for that, and I respect him for that specifically. So, the last thing I want to talk to you about is something in, uh, about Real Madrid's youth players, youth academy, not a pro- academy prospects, but youth players that they want to keep in La Liga Santander. So, the two players that they want to keep is Takfusa Kubo and Reynard Jesus. The Reynard Jesus arrived in January, the Brazilian international. And that was six months after the Japanese man, Kubo, had come to the capital. Of course, Kubo is on loan at Mallorca. Real Madrid are clear that the future of the team will be carried by those youngsters, as well as some others that the club have on their books, such as Martin Odegaard, for example. Renier will uh, commit to the club for six and a half years with his signing, and as Marika reported, he has agreed to spend next season out on loan. Offers are already coming in, too. Bayer Leverkusen are the most interested club as things stand, and Real Madrid have an excellent side, uh, excellent relationship with the Bundesliga side. Los Blancos are hopeful of securing a deal for Kai Havertz, although the current the current global pandemic forced them to take a step back in their pursuit of the German forward. The main problem in the way of a move to Leverkusen is that leaving Spain would slow down Renier's process of nationalization, as he needs two years of res- residency in Spain to avoid taking one of the non-EU uh, European spaces in the squad. So before we get into that, I found it pretty interesting that they said Real Madrid are, are are certain that the future of the team are to be carried on by these youngsters. Because if anything, Zidane has proven that he really doesn't want to play with youngsters. I mean, Martin Odegaard didn't really get along with Zidane that well, leading him to get, um, when he returned to the squad, he, I, I believe. Of course, he arrived and Ancelotti was there, but Zidane didn't really care about him. I mean, he might have had some attitude issues, Odegaard, but still, he even when Odegaard somewhat reformed, they didn't really have the he didn't really have the best relationship with the club. And Takfusa uh, Kubo, we're gonna have to see what he does with him. He hasn't really used him that much either. He just arrived too, so we have to give Kubo time. Mariano, I mean, it's hard to take out Benzema and put in Mariano, but I mean, at the end of the day, these players are getting older, so we're gonna have to really see the test. Really see Zidane's willingness to play these youngsters when Tony Cruz starts getting up in age for real. Modric gets up in age for real. Benzema starts losing form, etc., etc. So, a number of sites in Spain have also inquired about Renier, namely Real Sociedad and Real Valladolid, but Real Madrid won't let him go for nothing. Kuo faces a similar challenge, but Japanese nationals need 10 years of residence before qualifying for a Spanish passport. So yeah, that's going to be difficult for Kuo. Renier just needs about... Um, He needs about... Sorry about this. We're going to see right here. He needs about two years of residency, I apologize, to get that EU spot. Kuo is going to be basically impossible, so they could just loan him out basically wherever. He's at Mallorca right now. Renier is a positive player, is a promising player for the Los Blancos, and he most likely will stay at in Spain if they can get him that non if they can get him that um EU space in the squad, European space in the squad. So they're going to he's probably going to go to Real Sociedad. He'd thrive at Real Sociedad. I mean, Martin Odegaard thrives thrived there. So once again, we're going to have to see what happens. But ladies and gentlemen, that is all the news I have for you today. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of My Sport in Two Languages with Sebastián Garay Ortega. I'll see you in the next episode.
Hola señoras y señores y bienvenidos a el episodio número 14 de Mi Deporte en Dos Idiomas con Sebastián Garay Ortega. Hoy tenemos mucho de qué hablar y empezamos con los nuevos campeones, los campeones de la Copa Italia del año 2020, el Napoli. Hoy el Napoli le ganó la Juventus 4 a 2 en penales, el partido terminó 0 a 0, con Milik haciendo el último penal, convirtiendo el último penal, penal para el equipo de el equipo del Napoli que les aseguró el título de la Copa Italia 2020, les, les ganaron al equipo de Cristiano Ronaldo y yo tengo que, a mí me mole, eh, lo único que me, mol, me molestó del partido es que, bueno, en mi opinión la Juventus no jugó tan bien, no jugó de manera que me sorprendiera, no jugó de, man de una manera bien linda, es decir, no jugó de una manera fluido, no, no jugó con fluidez, Lo, eh, un equipo italiano nunca de verdad juega con fluidez, fluidez, pero en el contragolpe normalmente juegan muy de manera muy linda, de manera muy rápida para hacer el gol, pero este equipo no lo hizo así, estaban jugando en situaciones a donde sí tenían eh, bien, eh, tenían, hacían, en situaciones a donde hacían pases lindos, a donde tenían posesión, a donde creaban oportunidades, tampoco les, tampoco era tan bueno, eh, eh, esas oportunidades no eran tan buenas, los pases tampoco, la, la posesión, eh, la, la, la mayoría de la posesión que tuvo la Juventus fue posesión que, 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 que era desper, des, un, de basura, una posesión Terrible, porque de verdad nunca pudieron usar esa posición para de verdad hacer algo, hacer un gol obviamente, pero crear más oportunidades. Desperdiciaron la posición y de verdad si no fuera por el arquero de 42 años, la leyenda de Italia Gianluigi Buffon, hubieran perdido el juego en tiempo regular. Gianluigi Buffon hizo varias tapadas cruciales para el equipo de Turín, pero la más la más importante fue en el en el minuto 90 en un tiro de esquina del equipo de, Nap eh, de Napoli la mandaron pal la man eh, tomaron el tiro y un cabezazo eh, un cabezazo que en cualquier otro día entra al gol un cabezazo que hay falla la defensa de la Juve Yo no sé quién lo estaba marcando Pero un cabezazo solo El jugador estaba cabezando la pelota solo Y Gianluigi Buffon hace una tapada enorme Se tira al piso Para pa coger la pelota Para pa asegurar que la Para tapar lo que era Muy seguramente un gol Y ahí Ahí al fin la, la defensa de la Juventus Saca la pelota del área Saca la Saca su equipo de, de un peligro inminente Y un man de 42 años no debe estar haciendo eso Lo que Gianluigi Buffon ha, Lo que ha podido hacer Lo que ha hecho en estos años Ya que se está obviamente envejeciendo Ya está viejo Es increíble 
Pero obviamente no, eso de verdad no tuvo nada que ver. No, de verdad no sirvió para nada. Es decir, porque no, no ganaron. Al final la Juve perdió el partido. Otra cosa que le tengo, tengo que criticar al señor Cristiano Ronaldo. Yo creo que la, yo entiendo que él quiere tomar, él siempre toma el, quiere tomar el último penal, el quinto penal. Porque él quiere ser el que haga el gol para que, pa que ganen. Y también Ronaldo, si en una situación de presión, él es el que tú quieres. Tú quieres que él tome el penal porque eres muy bueno tomando penales. Eso sí, pero yo creo que él, si algo demostró otra vez hoy, es que él le importa más lo, sus logros personales que la victoria del equipo. Yo creo que tomar el primer penal o el segundo penal o hasta el tercer penal es mucho mejor que tomar el quinto porque cambia el cambia el, el ánimo, la disposición del equipo y levanta el moral si hace el primero, la moral si hace el primero. Hace el primero y, a él, y, a él, y el equipo se calma, ya uno hace hacen uno a uno, dos a dos. Porque se com el, el, me olvido quién tomó el primer penal para la Juventus, pero se comió el penal, no se la pues perdió el penal. Insigne hace el otro, Insigne hace el primero del Napoli y después en el segundo, perdón, excúsenme, Danilo la, la manda para pa el tercer piso, la, se la come también. Y yo creo que si Cristiano hubiera estado en el primero o en el segundo, hace uno de esos y cambia totalmente la situación ahora no están no están eh, perdiendo por dos sino están solo perdiendo por uno y ahí también cambia la el el ánimo el moral la moral perdón de Gianluigi Buffon porque ahí ve bueno ya está este trabajo esta misión tampoco ya es, no es tan imposible porque ya con dos es bien imposible y ya es muy difícil, muy difícil motivar a tu equipo, muy difícil impulsar que no pierdan la esperanza. Y eso, es, eso yo creo que tuvo mucho, tuvo mucho, mucho que ver con él, la pérdida de la Juventus. También no jugaron también. Yo creo que hay un pro problema en el vestuario. Mauricio Sari no ha, no y eso es mi opinión, pero yo creo que Mauricio Sarri no están comprando la idea, la filosofía del señor Mauricio Sarri. Y yo creo que se ve en la cancha. No juegan otra vez con fluidez. Muy malita. Tienen posesión, pero no, no pueden... No pueden... Eh, no pueden aprovecharse de esa posición. En el contragolpe se ven bien desorganizados. Se ven bien... Se ven negligentes, es decir, todos los jugadores no se ven tan que están en el partido. Y eso puede también ver con la... También puede ver que... Puede ser porque esa es la primera... Todavía están acostumbrándose al, al fútbol. Porque han estado fuera por tres meses como todos los otros futbolistas. Pero si esto sigue, vamos a tener que poner en... Vamos a tener que poner en cuestionar, es decir, la la manera, lo bueno, si, si vamos a tener que cuestionar si el problema de verdad Sari o el equipo, y si Sari de verdad es un técnico con la capacidad necesaria para 
para eh, ser técnico de un equipo como la Juventus. Manejar estrellas, manejar egos como las de Cristiano Ronaldo y las de Pablo Diabala. Bueno, el otro partido de hoy fue en la Premier. La vuelta de la Premier, el primer juego de verdad no fue, no era tan, no tenía la atracción del segundo. Austin Villa empató con Sheffield United 0-0, pero el partido que de verdad tuvo esa atracción que paralizó, puedes decir, al casi todo el mundo del fútbol, era... Es, era el Manchester City que se enfrentó al Arsenal en el Etihad Y el Manchester City llegó a ganar 3 a 0 Gracias a un gol Bueno, tenemos que... Tengo que... Darles un poco De contexto Para... Que entiendan cómo llegó a ser Una, una goleada eh, El partido... Desde el principio los dos equipos estaban bien... Viene, no estaban en... Se veía que el estado físico todavía les faltaba. Que el fútbol... Que no estaban tácticamente y con la pelota estaban bien malengas. Pero tampoco estaba tan mal el Arsenal. Lo que pasó, lo que llegó a ser... Lo que llegó a matar al equipo fue la introducción de David Luis. David Luis entra en el, en el minuto 25 o 20 o algo así. Por el español Pablo Mari. Y cuando David Luis entra, bueno, ya ahí se, se, todo, se, todo se destruye todo. Es decir, eh, primero que todo, una pelota. Perdón, una pelota en el. Ya en el. En el minuto 48 del segundo. No, perdón, en el. En el minuto 45, al final del primer tiempo, un, una, una, una pelota de, de Bruyne viene eh, en camino al señor David Luis. Y David Luis, no sé lo que está tratando de hacer, pero él, yo creo que intenta bajar la pelota con su muslo. Pero estaba lloviendo, primero que todo, y las condiciones ya estaban bien... Bien malas, estaban bien resbaloso, es decir, y yo creo que él, yo creo que la pelota por estar tan mojada, no, no, no pudo hacer lo que obviamente in, quería hacer, y esa es bajar la pelota, la pelota salta del muslo detrás de él, de, va en, por detrás, va sobre su cabeza, y Sterling estaba haciendo una corrida detrás de él, Sterling coge la pelota y se la tira con fuertísimo a, a, al, al arco y Burn Leno, el arquero del Arsenal, no tuvo ninguna oportunidad de salvar esa pelota. Y es de, también tengo que decirles que esta pelota era estaba en el área, la, la, manda la pelota de Bruyner al área del Arsenal, entonces eso es porque Sterling le, le pegó tan rápido al arco porque ya estaba ahí. Y sí, terrible error de David Luis y bueno, piensa es, es fácil pensar que eh, no puede no puedes la situación no se puede empeorar para el brasileño, pero sí se empeoró. Minuto 48, penal para el City y David Luis le mostraron una roja, una tarjeta roja directa porque él bajó a su, al señor Riyad Mahrez en el área eh, 
se bajó a rearmarse en el área, pa, un, un tiró, perdón, cogió la pelota, cogió, la, cogió el hombro de, de, de Mares, lo bajó en el área, penal para el City y era una oportunidad de gol, entonces eso porque le dieron la roja, Kevin De Bruyne to tomó el penal y hizo el penal, la puso en la esquina derecha del arco para... Eh, para aumentar la ventaja del City 2 a 0. Y bueno, desde ahí el partido de verdad fue más una, una batalla de posesión. Porque el City de verdad se calmó, obviamente. El City tuvo la pelota por mucho tiempo. Eh, casi después, de, después del gol de Maris tuvo la pelota casi todo el partido. El Arsenal tuvo un poco de oportunidades. Pero de verdad no podía hacer mucho. Y ya estaban con 10 hombres el primer juego. En tres meses eso no ayuda para nada. Tener 10 hombres, estar en un, una posición tan mala y con, y con falta de ritmo. Es una combinación eh, venenosa para cualquier equipo. Eh, bueno, la, la otra parte del partido bien eh, que causó mucho susto entre futbolistas y aficionados del juego. Aficionados del juego, futbolistas por igual. Fue la lesión que le dio a Eric García, el defensa joven del Manchester City. Y lo que pasó fue que el arquero del City, Ederson, el brasileño, sacó, eh, salió para. Salió el arquero para despejarse de, un, de una pelota que. Despejar una pelota que iba para el área del City, pero yo creo que Eric García la tenía. Primero que todo, yo creo que Eric García. Pudo haber manejado la situación sin la ayuda de Ederson. Y no entiendo por qué Ederson salió con tanta... Salió tan fuertemente. Salió con una intensidad que no era necesaria. Y le pega de una manera... Le pega de una manera al... de horriblemente espantoso. De una manera espantoso al señor García... Con, él sale a, a, a él sale obviamente él tira la pelota con el pie porque está fuera del área la tira para afuera pero la, el, las manos de él le pegan fuertísimo en la, en, la, en la cabeza a Eric García le pega en la cabeza a Eric García fuertísimo fuertísimo y cae al piso fue una fue una situación bien fue una situación bien espantosa eh, bien terrible bien eh, un Está todo el mundo asustadísimo. Pensábamos que de verdad pudo haber se pudo haber lesionado de una manera bien fea. Eh, y, y sí, duraron como 7 o 8 minutos, casi 10 minutos en sacarlo de la cancha. Porque lo tenían que poner en... Lo tenían que poner en el... Lo tenían que... A sujetar, tenían que su, a sujetar la cabeza y todo el cuerpo y sacarlo en en, en perdónenme en una camilla obviamente porque la lesión era bien bien fuerte todavía no nos han dado ningún ninguna novedad sobre la, la el estado del señor García pero obviamente yo le deseo eh, mis le deseo lo mejor al señor García, mis pensamientos, mis, eh, no, mis, mis pensamientos, mi, 
le deseo, eh, estoy orando por él, estoy con, con, eh, con, lo bueno es que dijeron que estaba moviendo las piernas, entonces estoy confío, eh, confío en que esté bien, pero le fueron al hospital para hacer exámenes, confiando en Dios, no sea nada grave otra vez, pero sí, lo, lo, que, lo más importante de eso es que Eric García esté bien y que el City ganó 3 a 0, de verdad no importa tanto porque Liverpool ya está como a dos juegos de ganar la Premier de de perdón de ya ganar la Premier porque ya de matemáticamente no van a poder perderla entonces yo creo que ya en las próximas semanas si ganan no este juego que viene pero el otro ya son eh, ganan su primer Premier en la historia eh, bueno, y el City, pero todavía importa porque quieren llegar con bien ritmo al juego de agosto contra el Real Madrid Y van a querer ganar la Champions Sería un, un espectáculo bien chistoso si llegan a ganar la Champions Y obviamente no van a estar participando en la Champions que viene Entonces, eso va a ser interesante Y bueno, eh, lo otro que les quiero decir es que la semana pasada yo hablé de la posibilidad de que Lisboa en Portugal sería la, el destino el destino ideal el lugar a donde se terminaría terminaría la Champions League y eso ya es, está confirmado eh, agosto 23 se jugarán los últimos lo, los últimos perdón los últimos eh, en los cuartos de finales hasta la final y la Europa League se va a jugar en Alemania. Entonces los dos, las dos competencias se van a jugar en países distintos. Y lo, y lo que también salió de este artículo de marca es que las, la, los juegos de vuelta del Manchester City y Real Madrid, Barcelona Napoli, Bayern Munich Chelsea y Juventus contra el León, que no se han terminado, van a ser terminados en los en la a donde como van a ser terminados en la en casa del equipo de el equipo que obviamente en, en por ejemplo el Manchester City jugó contra el Real Madrid entonces jugaron en el Bernabéu ahora el, el la de vuelta va a ser jugado en el Etihad en Barce, el Barcelona Napoli el, la de, el, el juego de vuelta va a ser jugado en el Camp Nou etcétera etcétera entonces van a ser van a jugar el de vuelta en el en el estadio del equipo que no jugaron en el pri, en el primer juego en el de ida si eso tienes eh, si eso les tiene sentido es decir eh, bueno eso es lo más importante de ahí de la Champions League vamos a ver qué pasa lo otro lo otro también es que eh, después los cuartos hasta la final va a ser todos los juegos van a ser final, no, van, no va a ir ida de vuelta, solo va a ser un partido, que va a ser interesantísimo. Eh, pero eso también hace que la gente vea esta Champions League como... Eh, no, con el mis, no, no lo van a ver con el mismo, la misma... No van a ver esta Champions League como, como una Champions League verdadera, porque si no juegan ida de vuelta es muy diferente. Entonces, eso va a cambiar mucho el... También, yo creo que afecta más a los equipos que no han ganado, como el City y el PSG. Si ellos llegan a, si ellos llegan a ganar todos los, 
eh, aficionados del fútbol van a estar mamándoles gallo porque van a decir, ah, sí, ganaron la que no era de verdad Champions. Entonces todavía no tienen títulos de Europa. Pero vamos a tener que ver un título europeo, es un título europeo, sea lo que sea. Y bueno, la otra noticia que quería hablar, lo otro de que quería hablar de... Quería hablar de el, los jóvenes del Real Madrid, que el Real Madrid está bien, eh, tiene confianza en sus jóvenes, pero eh, en particular en Takfusa Kuo, el japonés, y Rainier Jesús, el brasileño. Rainier Jesús llegó al club blanco en enero, seis meses después que llegó el japonés de la masía, Kuo. Eh, y lo que me interesó es que dicen que el Real Madrid está eh, sa están as están asegurados eh, no hay, no hay discusión, ellos, estos jóvenes van a ser el futuro del club blanco eh, Ellos y Martin Odegaard también, por ejemplo Lo que me, sorpre lo que me sorprendió es que los, Lo que me sorprende es que Zidane no ha demostrado esa misma confianza que demuestra el club sobre estos jóvenes Martin Odegaard, yo sé que él llegó cuando estaba Ancelotti, pero no ha rendido con Zidane, obviamente. He estado en, en préstamo casi todo el tiempo de que, desde que Zidane entró, se fue y volvió. Eh, estos jugadores tampoco han estado tan... Cubo eh, está en Mallorca, Renier Jesús ahora también va a estar... Va a ir eh, en préstamo... Va a ir a... Va a ir a, a préstamo, va a ir a, en préstamo a otro equipo. Eh, quieren intentar... Prestar, prestar al brasileño a un club o otro club español porque necesita dos años de residencia en España para eh, pa entrar en uno de los lugares eh, porque en el equipo hay en el equipo hay dos lugares puedes entrar en eh, que puedes entrar en el lugar que eres no eres residente europeo y el otro es que eres residente europeo entonces Quieren que él entre en el, en el, en el, porque solo hay, solo hay lugares, solo hay, no hay tantos cupos, cupos de residentes europeos y quieren que él sea residente europeo, entonces quieren que se quede en España para lograr eso. Perdón por la confusión. Eh, están Viene al Real, Real, la Real Sociedad, el, la Real Valladolid como opciones viables, pero no lo van a dejar ir por nada. Entonces, vamos, quieren algo en. Quieren algo de vuelta, quieren algo de, de retorno, es decir. Y Cubo, Cubo, Cubo todavía está en el Mallorca, no han dicho na, tanto de él, eh, pero él, de verdad, no, no quieren. No quieren que, que él se quede en España no es prior, prior, prioridad, prioridad, perdón, porque el, el, para ser residente español como un japonés tienes que esperar 10 años, entonces eso ya es bien irreal, no va a pasar. Eh, otra cosa sobre Rainier es que el, el Leverkusen también está muy interesado en el brasileño y... Quieren mantener, el Real Madrid quiere mantener una relación bien con el Bayer Leverkusen porque tienen a Kai Havertz y también están muy interesados, interesados en, el, en el alemán como eh, reemplazo de Cruz o Modric. Entonces, mantener esa buena relación y prestarlos, prestarles un brasileño 
con mucho talento puede hacer que el Bayer Leverkusen de verdad eh, lo, le venda el, la joya alemana eh, que muy seguramente van a pedir mucho pero pero tendrían de, tendrían el Madrid de si, si le dan un jugador al Bayer Leverkusen que de verdad ayudaría al equipo el Leverkusen va a ver eso, ese gesto con ese gesto como algo lindo como algo algo amable y van a van a decir bueno les el Madrid va a ser la priori, prioridad para vender a Kai Havertz le queremos dar a Kai Havertz al Madrid y ellos son el número uno los demás pueden esperar porque el Real Madrid nos ayudó y les vamos a ayudar de vuelta y así va mantener esa relación bien entre los dos equipos es algo que ellos los dos ambos quieren entonces muy seguramente es algo que va a pasar y que quieren que pasen el Real Madrid como el Bayer Leverkusen este eso es todas las eso son todas son todas las noticias que les tengo para hoy les agradezco por escuchar este episodio de Mi Deporte en Dos Idiomas con Sebastián Garay Ortega y los veo en el próximo episodio.